The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What a world! Welcome and all to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blogging the boys.com. My name is RJ Ocho. You know me, of course, from BTB and from Mighty as your humble host on the Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, March 4th, 2021. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and we have a very special treat in store for you today. We started something new with our friends over at Locker Room, and I'm here to tell you about it. What is Locker Room, you ask? Well, it is a very cool app available for your iPhone, and you jump into Locker Room, and you join a locker room, a room, a hangout, if you will. Uh, there are live conversations happening there. You can jump on. You can be part of it. Uh, and we're going to be doing these at the very least weekly, sometimes a couple of times a week. You know how news within the Dallas Cowboys obviously tends to fluctuate. There are things happening all the time, and really, that's it. It's all the time. That's why we're here. That's why we exist, to serve you, the incredible Dallas Cowboys fan that you are. So we had our first locker room on Thursday, and we talked about Dak Prescott. You will hear from a variety of voices as well, people who joined the state. And if you want to be part of them, you can make sure you download the locker room app, create your accounts, kind of like your normal app, whatever you can follow me. I'm RGO Cho on there. And next time we go live, you'll have an opportunity to join. We will be posting these conversations here for you to hear them after the fact. We hope that you enjoy them. This is the first one. And again, we're talking about the thing that nobody else is talking about. Dak Prescott. Here we go. Love you all. What is going on, everybody? My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from SB Nation's blogging the boy, SB Nation's home for Dallas Cowboys content. This is the first of us, hopefully many times that you will hear me here on Locker Room. Very excited to be here. Uh, I've played with the Locker Room app before. I really like what it has going on. And of course, we need to talk about the one, the only, the incomparable, the incredibly underappreciated, the always overlooked, especially when it comes to his own team. Dak Prescott. That's right. Dak Prescott is somebody who we have talked, frankly, a lot about. Um, This offseason would be putting it mildly. We've been talking about Dak Prescott now for the last few offseasons in a row. The Dallas Cowboys obviously need to get something done with Dak Prescott if they want to ensure the long-term services of their franchise quarterback. This is seemingly a lesson that the Dallas Cowboys themselves do not know Uh, but one that we are going to discuss here in Locker Room. So let's see here. We have a request to speak from Hachi. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Hachi, how goes it? Happy Thursday. We lost Hachi. I don't know exactly what happened. So 
Um, I'm sure that Hachi was going to say, here we go. Ethan would like to speak. Ethan, how goes it? Hope your Thursday is going well. RJ, what's up? It is going well, and I'm I am ready to talk about Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah, this is um, the subject of I would say much consternation, but that might not encompass the whole thing. Uh, to be frank, let's start here when it comes to Dak. Um, are you team pay Dak or are you team let Dak walk for whatever reason you so choose? Oh, I've been I've been team pay Dak for like two years. Welcome. One of us. <laughs> um, well, then, what what is your sense of frustration right now? I mean, because, like, it's it's a fair overall, like, wide sense of frustration that they haven't paid him. But um, actually, let me rephrase the question. Um, because we know that the Dallas Cowboys have not. You said you've been team pay Dak for two years. Two years ago, the Dallas Cowboys first had the opportunity to pay Dak Prescott. They did not. Um, while that did not happen, we saw a lot of other quarterbacks get paid, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson last year, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. It is quite possible that the likes of Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson will beat them to the punch this offseason. Kirk Cousins even got a different deal with the Vikings. Um, so my question, Ethan, is if, if you are a lawyer charged with defending the Dallas Cowboys here, what is the most logical reason as to why they haven't paid him yet? Well, I mean, so I guess you could make an argument that the there there are a handful of quarterbacks who are like absolutely no brainer worth all of the money in the world. And that the, the list of guys that that applies to is incredibly short. Right. Like you might be talking sure. about about Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes and and, you know, even your like. There's even a debate like is Russell Wilson, is Lamar Jackson, are are these guys even on that that list? And so maybe the argument would be, okay, are we really willing to give Dak Prescott Aaron Rodgers money? And is that a better use of resources than say drafting a rookie and using the savings to build out the offensive line and the defense? Or or, you know, flipping him for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who could maybe, like some people might think is theoretically, an upgrade over Dak. So, you know, I think if if you feel like, look, Dak Prescott is not a surefire, like top three QB in the NFL, and if you're not dealing with a top three QB in the NFL, then you need to keep your options open because you don't want to get stuck with a with a top three contract for a top 15 guy. I think that would be the thought. Right. I think that that's fair. I think that sometimes um, like a blog and the boys, our Twitter mentions, I, I think people become a little bit too pro deck. Um, I know that sounds like, like it's hard to be. Um, I don't know. I don't believe that Dak Prescott's the best quarterback on the NFL, but I believe he fits the bill to be paid like a franchise quarterback. And it sounds like we're in agreement on, on this particular point. And you're right. Like the concern is certainly that you, you know, you buy the engagement ring and you go through the process and then, um, you know, you find that a whole lot about the person that, you know, isn't what you originally thought. I do want to bring uh, my colleague, my great friend, some people would say my adversary, uh, Brandon Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation up on the stage as well. BLG, I will ask you the same question that I asked Ethan. Um, if, if you had to defend the idea that the Dallas Cowboys have seemingly adopted with regards to not paying Dak Prescott, what would it be? And you are not allowed to troll in the answer. 
Yeah, I like how you're trying to steer me in a direction. Like, if I can't, I can't just uh, say whatever I want here. Um, I guess my thoughts on Dak, RJ, are that, uh, like, what are the Cowboys doing in terms of, like, either this is your guy, extend him, or he's not your guy, move on. Like, what is this halfway thing? I think it's absolutely insane. I think the Dak Prescott era is over. Because I think if there was, I mean, unless there's a long-term deal reached before this free agency, I'll give you that if there, somehow that's possible, but I don't think it is. Um, or, you know, before uh, the tag deadline ends this year. So I guess that's July. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see how this is getting reconciled. I, I don't see any reason for Dak Prescott to cave in now when he looks at all the money he has in front of him in terms of the 144% next year, if there's a third tag, and then going into the, a marketplace where there's really never been a quarterback like him available uh, in terms of his production and age and everything. Like, he would get unprecedented level. Like, he might be able to, to top the Patrick Mahomes deal if he made it on the open market just because of the, the demand at that spot. So I just feel like it's over, man. I think um, I, I think it's not inconceivable that on the open market he could top Mahomes' deal. Maybe not from a longevity standpoint, but I think he could top him in, in a particular capacity, whether it's like average per year, total guarantee, something, because somebody would, would blink. Um, he's the what best quarterback. I want to hear your thoughts here. He, I mean, you've got Mahomes, um, you've got Rodgers, you've got Russell. And then I do think the conversation begins. I, I think that you could debate Dak against Watson, but so even if you did, you know, have Deshaun higher, like Dak's floor is what five six. Well, I'll, I'll phrase it like this: Do you think, and I'm, I'm assuming you do, do you think Dak Prescott ultimately is a quarterback you win because of, as opposed to win with? Mm, well, despite the fact that I have read many an article at BleedingGreenNation.com, <laughs> I, I, I do believe that Dak Prescott is a quarterback you win with. I think every quarterback, you, you know, I think you have games you win, you know, with them. I think sometimes you have games you win in spite of. Um, but, but I think that Dak has, has really, really kind of been the, the motivational force for the Cowboys. Like, qualify that how you want. And I do think, um, I know you've heard this a lot, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this a lot, Ethan, as well. That, that Dak's leadership is really, really, really valuable. And I do think that a year ago, nobody knew how to qualify that or, or, or quantify it. And I think that, you know, as an example, you know, we saw how absent that quality was with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, right? Um, and I think it's worth mentioning that literally the week after Dak got hurt was when the report came out from within the star that there were players like bagging on the coaching staff. And that never happens with Dak Prescott. And so like, Aside from his on-the-field qualities, which I find to be ones that you win, you know, because of, I, I think he also is, like, the, the proverbial leader that the classic football team needs. Because I think that's why the Cowboys have been reluctant to sign him. At least that's been my theory. Like, they're afraid, whether you agree with it or not. I think their view is that he's more, at least skews more to win with quarterback. And I think that's concerning to them because – They've had him at such a bargain early in his career where they could they had the, all this money and uh, resources to surround him with this great supporting cast, which they did in terms of the receiving core and Zeke and everything. And I think they look at the post-DAC extension era and kind of wonder if they're going to be able to kind of build that same supporting cast and have that support system around him. Uh, but I'll leave you with that because i got to head out. Thanks for having me on, RJ. Appreciate it, BLG. So, Ethan, I want to posit this to you. Um, because BLG brings up a point that I think the average DAC detractor um, leans on, right? Or not detractor, but somebody who believes the deal isn't going to get done. Oh, the team 
must not believe him in him. That's why they haven't done it. That's why they're dragging this out. They clearly don't believe that he's somebody that can get it done, whatever you want to call it, however you want to term it. I, I would argue that that is honestly giving the Cowboys too much credit. And I know that that's a weird take, but because that idea involves some level of logic, right? Like it's, it's a level of logic I disagree with, but it involves a level of logic that the Cowboys have come to this realization themselves their own thought process, like Dak is not good enough. So we're going to make this push. I Like if they truly felt that way, I don't think they would have offered him anything. I don't think they would ever have been in the business of offering him any long-term contract. I think they would have just, you know, been fine riding out the franchise tag. And I, I, I don't know. Do you think that that's fair that maybe like my point is like, I think they're just for lack of a better word too, you know, dumb to like fully realize what they're dealing with here. And I think that saying that they doubt Dak is ascribing a level of intelligence that they might not even have. Yeah, you know, like here's here's the weird context with this is like, how have we gotten to a place where the the seemingly the first time that Jerry Jones or the Jones family Cowboys, you know, executive apparatus has ever taken a hardline stance in a negotiation with one of their own starters is at quarterback you know, like Zeke, Zeke comes up, he holds out, he goes to Cabo, he gets all the money. Amari Cooper, he gets all the money. You know, Demarcus Lawrence, he gets all the money. Jalen Smith gets paid. Everybody gets paid. Jerry Jones loves nothing more than paying his guys. And look, in, in, I think there's actually something to be said for that, for kind of building that culture, having that, having that established that like, Hey, if, if we draft you and you play well for the Dallas Cowboys, we're going to reward you for for what you've done, but so the first time that they make an exception to that to that pattern is with the quarterback. That's weird, and I think it plays into what you're you're saying is like, do we really have do we do we really have any reason to believe that suddenly, when it comes to internal negotiations with their own free agents, all of a sudden this front office is like kind of savvy in this way? And that's nothing against like the moves that that Stephen Jones and Will McClay and the rest of the front office have been responsible for You know, they've, they've made some great draft picks and contract decisions in recent years, but yeah, I just, I don't buy it. I think that they're, that they're haggling over length and average annual value. And, and they, there's some hand wringing and anxiety around like, you know, is this, is this the guy or is he going to lead us back to the promised land? But you know, I'm I'm curious what you think. I feel like I, I agree with you. There are a lot of stats out there that suggest that Dak is, you know, you look at you look at fourth quarter comebacks, you know, uh, you look at you look at his his play in the second half of games. I mean, like this is a guy that the team believes in. This is a guy who comes who comes through when it matters and was on pace to like shatter <laughs> the all time passing yardage mark last year i just think that at some point you kind of have a bird in the hand you know and and is is it how much are you really how how much better are you realistically going to get than than dak prescott and that sounds kind of like defeatist to say oh well you don't know you know dak is pretty good and but i think i'm with you that that dak he's probably a top a top five or six quarterback and if you can't win a Super Bowl with a top five or six QB making top five or six QB money, um, then that is a failure, not of the quarterback, 
but of the but of the team building uh yeah i think that's really well said and i think i think that the cowboys get so hung up on um you mentioned top five or six money right and i think the immediate sort of you know red flag to them is well we have to pay him top two money and what they're incapable of realizing or incapable of you know foreshadowing or projecting whatever you want to call it is that in a year in two years that will be top five or six money they, they have shown an incredible inability to understand and forecast the market as evidenced with the Zeke Elliott you know deal um you know I, I think it, and the Zeke thing you're right like the you know all of a sudden you're gonna get I and mean, this isn't right but you're gonna get morals when it comes to the quarterback right like that's that's <laughs> the the line in the sand you're gonna draw um and I think that I, I don't want to say I think they're in over their heads, but I think they might be in over their heads to a certain degree in that they, they clearly aren't hip to, you know, modern day football ideas or philosophies, which is evidenced by the fact that five years ago they spent a top five pick on a running back. And then they doubled down on that mistake by handing him a supremely large contract extension that now obviously looks really bad. And I think that they um, like, did you ever like, Actually, I know this would never be you, Ethan, but so I'll use myself as an example. Actually, I had a friend um, my freshman year in high school. Um, we had a test on the Lord of the Flies. I think everybody probably read the Lord of the Flies and none of us read it because we were freshmen in high school and, you know, didn't know any better. And I remember like one of the questions was, who was the author of the book? And like he didn't know. And he guessed Axl Rose. You know what I mean? And like, I think he, <laughs> he, he, he just guessed Axl Rose just because like it was a name, right? Like it was like a, a thing to write down. And sometimes I feel like the Cowboys like just write down things to write them down. I will never ever in my life forget an interview that Stephen Jones did with Mike Florio last year. Um, obviously at this time last year, the, the subject of the DAC deal was you know being talked about or whatever. And Stephen said this, he said, there's all sorts of analytics out there that show if your quarterback takes up too big a percentage of your salary cap, that it decreases your chances to win. And I just, this is the funniest thing, and there's a lot of contenders here that Stephen Jones has ever said, because I don't think he, like, I, I don't want to, like, throw stones, but I think it's possible that Stephen doesn't know what analytics means. You know, like, I think it just, you know, it's a buzzword <laughs> to him. Like, that that's his version of saying Axel Rose in that moment. And so for for that reason, they think, you know, they can they can pound chest, they can Dallas Cowboys brand their way out of this. And I don't think they can. I mean, I, I think they've they've met somebody who's willing to kind of, you know, go toe to toe with them in, in the betting and the wagering of this all where other players weren't. Jalen Smith certainly wasn't. And maybe part of that was logic, right? Jalen maybe individually forecasted his decline in play that we've seen. And so he said, let me take my deal now. It's the best I'm ever going to get. Ezekiel Elliott obviously, you know, wanted to get his deal coming off of his rookie contract. And so I, I do think that they are in over their heads. And people people love to say, oh, the Cowboys are great businessmen. I don't even think that that part of it is true because, like, the business of this is very obvious. And I think that they're just arrogant. I, I don't know. Like, do you think that this is, is, like, stemming from a point of arrogance or do you think it's just incompetence when it comes to football operations? Yeah, I mean, I think – I think it's incompetence, but I, or on some level, naivete, short-sightedness, I think. Sure. But it, it's not just about uh, Dak Prescott, right? Like, it's not just about this negotiation. Because really, um, if you – the reason that I totally believe you when you say analytics is just a buzzword to Stephen Jones 
is because they backed up the Brink truck for Zeke Elliott for a running back right. in 2020, you know, or 2019, whenever it was. Like the they, everybody knows we've seen it time and again. You just don't do that, you know. You can get you can get 80 percent of Zeke Elliott's production from a rotation of guys that you take in like the fourth round. And that's you not know, even. Yeah, no, totally. Totally agree with you. That's that's like that's nothing against Zeke, who is a who is a great player. And I love rooting for Zeke as a Cowboys fan. But it's just true. And so, you know what, if you if you don't just throw all the money at Zeke Elliott uh, because he's your guy, then, you know, Byron Jones doesn't have to walk, maybe or right. Byron Jones does walk. And then the DAC contract negotiation is easy because you don't have all of this money tied up at the running back position. You instead have like one fifth of that money tied up in the running back position. And so it's like a series of a series of short sighted decisions that have gotten them to this point where now they're getting sticker shock at the Dak Prescott negotiation because they feel like they're going to be up against it from a salary cap standpoint if they sign Dak, which makes it sound like, you know, Dak is being selfish and asking for too much money. No, that's not what's happening. They'll be up against the salary cap because they gave out a bunch of contracts to guys like Zeke Elliott and Jalen Smith that they shouldn't have given out. Right. No, and and I think that's a great point. They love to put the onus on the player. And then they love to kind of act like they're not. Like Stephen Jones will, will do his radio interviews and he'll be like, well, it's not Dak's responsibility to, you know, manage the salary cap. That's our job. But they love to talk about how much pie there is and um, how how certain players going to take up a certain percentage of the pie and and et cetera things like that. Let's um let's hear from Sam. Sam Kane uh, has requested to join the stage. Sam, I hope you're having the best day ever. I hope you had a great lunch and I hope you got a great dinner on the menu. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I was I I totally agree with Ethan was saying. So like the past two Super Bowls have been won by the Chiefs and Buccaneers, who both didn't have a superstar running back like Zeke, and they're paying Zeke like he's the best running back in the league and in his career he has been really good he's been a top five running back in almost every year except if we're talking about just this past year he did not play like a top five running back and they're just wasting so much money on someone who does like Ethan said who doesn't bring that much value to the team they could get that much value off of a bunch of other players that they're just wasting so much money on Zeke no, exactly. Like I am, I'm still on the hunt for a PS5. I complain about this every chance I get. Um, but like paying Zeke is like, and I'm an only child, so I'll, I'll kind of speak to this from that lens. Um, but like when I was growing up, it would be like spending like spending twice as much on the second controller, right? Like nobody's ever gonna play with it. You know what I mean? Like that's dumb. You know, like the important thing is like my like instead of buying that second controller, that's a really inefficient utilization of resources, right? Like buy another game. You know what I mean? Like Whatever. I don't know if this landed properly. I don't know. I don't know if that made sense to you. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. There, he's just being massively overpaid. Like Jonathan Taylor was drafted in the second right. round, I believe. He is going to be a couple of years, I believe. But so the Cowboys could have their draft, and they're paying. A amount of their salary cap to a player who's not. I think Sam is having some Wi-Fi issues. Um, but to, yeah, to that point, I mean, really Jonathan. Bad. I don't know if you can hear. 
Yeah, I got that. No, I think that's a great point, though. Like, to piggyback off of that, Jonathan Taylor, obviously a great success and, and you know, not a, a top five pick or whatever, you know, in, in recent memory. I, I mean, when Zeke, I think it says something that Zeke's, like, greatest production came when he was, again, it was incredibly overinflated from what would be ideal utilization of resources, but still on his rookie contract. Kareem Hunt, when, when he had his huge success with, with the Chiefs, was on his rookie contract. I mean, it's, and to the point, like, I think that's a great one that, you know, people point out a lot is, you know, Super Bowl teams obviously are, are quarterback driven. Like the last team that, you know, really, um, I guess, was ha- had like a, a centerpiece at running back, so to speak, was probably the Seahawks um, in, in terms of, you know, having a running back that, that made some legitimate, you know, respectable money, however you want to term it. Um, and, and even then, like, you know, the ironic thing is that, you know, they didn't run the ball when, when they should have, obviously. Um, but but that is a natural segue, of course, to Russell Wilson. So, Ethan, I want to go back to you. Um, Russell obviously named the Cowboys as one of the four teams that he would, you know, be interested in, I suppose, if the Seahawks did wind up trading him. Are you I, I am. This is my concern, Ethan. I, I believe the Cowboys want to win this fight. I think it's very important to them in the court of public opinion, to be viewed as the winners. We won. We got one over. We beat Dak. We outsmarted him. We did whatever. We are the winners. Everybody agrees with us. And I don't believe that there is any way where they can pay Dak and be viewed as the winners. Because I think in any avenue where they pay Dak, it is viewed as you caved, you blinked, he did it, player empowerment, which is all, you know, good. But they would view that in a negative fashion. And so Russell Wilson presents this not good out of jail free card, but Russell presents this opportunity for the Cowboys to win, so to speak. Do you agree with that? Or are you worried? Like, I'm worried about that personally. Well, so I'm, I'm kind of two minds. Like, I don't actually think Russell Wilson is going anywhere. Um, Agreed. I think that that at, at most he he's on a different team next season, like 2022. Sure. Um, but... I mean, there's there. I just think that Russell Wilson basically gives you, you know, if you if you consider okay, Russell Wilson is like whatever a tier or a half tier above Dak Prescott as a QB, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, I think is is reasonable to say. Although, you know, I'll be curious to see how Dak looks when he comes back. But um, he he the stuff that Russell Wilson is going to give you is not actually that different than the stuff that Dak Prescott gives you. Like Russell Wilson throws a great deep ball. Dak Prescott mm-hmm. throws a great deep ball. Russell Wilson can can make a, a porous offensive line look a lot better and create a functional offense out of it. Dak Prescott was doing that um, at a ridiculously high level. I mean, we saw the first four games of last season, as soon as Dak goes out and any other QB had to play behind that offensive line, they were completely sunk. Um and Dak adds something with his legs. Russ adds something with his legs. They're both good in second halves and fourth quarters. I'm with you that it could be a way of like of winning, of saying we didn't bow to Dak Prescott and instead right. we we flipped him into Russell Wilson, a guy who's already on a contract, who's won a Super Bowl. Um but I I think I think Russell Wilson is kind of posturing, and I think that the the Cowboys are kind of posturing. So I'm not scared per se of the Russell Wilson possibility in the way that for a second I was with the, the Deshaun Watson um, possibility. But I, I am with you that I feel like we've kind of gotten to this point 
and Brandon was saying this earlier when he was up here, that it's like it does kind of feel like they've gotten so far down this road that as insane as it is, like the I just always assumed it would get done. I really just always assumed that at some point the Cowboys would blink, they'd wake up and they'd do it. But it feels like they've gotten so far down this road that the the, the possibility that they've actually passed the point of no return does seem kind of real to me in a way that it just really didn't um, that it just really didn't like even three to six months ago, I guess I wonder what you RJ and Sam think. What would you put at the percent chance that Dak actually hits free agency? Like, well, I guess there's two versions of this question. One is, are the Cowboys going to tag him no matter what? And if they do tag him, do you think there is a world in which Dak Prescott plays for the Cowboys on the franchise tag in 2021? Or do you think that either he signs a long-term contract or he is not a Cowboy next year? I mean, so I, no, you go I ahead. Really you go ahead. Know. What? Sorry. You, you go ahead, Tim. Okay. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, if I had to guess, I would say Dak's going to stay on a long-term contract. I, I, I definitely think all of the options are still on the table for both the Cowboys and Prescott. But going back to what you said earlier about how you think Wilson is just a little tier above Prescott, I don't I don't know how much I agree with that. I mean, I respect the opinion, but in the beginning of the season, like let's say the first quarter of the season, Wilson was looking like possibly an MVP candidate. And then after that, he he kind of fell off a little bit like he he was losing a bunch of games the Seahawks in the beginning of the season as well were looking really good until Wilson started playing a little less well and then they started losing some more games and at the start of the season Dak looked really good so I mean we'll, we'll have to see how he comes back from the injury but right now I think they're at the same level kind of, of- so I think if 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 I power ranked or you know drafted quarterbacks to kind of build my team around I would take Russell ahead of Dak like I think that's that's the world that I live in and I in in saying that Dak that Russell is is superior to Dak Prescott however marginally I think is certainly up for debate um you can you can go a number of ways and then when you get into the nitty-gritty details well Dak is younger or whatever blah blah like it it makes sense to lean Dak despite the fact that he's obviously going to cost more uh given the fact that his contract extension will come either this offseason or next um, I do think I agree with you, Ethan. You, you mentioned the point of no return here because I, I, I always knew that this was possible, like in the sense that like literally anything is possible. Right? Like it was always technically possible for them to not get a deal done, but it never seemed likely or manageable. I mentioned um, my, my friend that took that that test in high school that he he definitely failed, right? And it feels like like when you would take a test like that, and you it was just like the worst feeling of like you know letting yourself down. And like the worst part of it was like getting up and turning that test in. Like that's all that's left. Like the results are over with. You know what I mean? You just have to like go through the like actual official sort of paper trail part of it. Um, I don't think that there is a world where Dak is playing elsewhere this uh, or this season in 2021. Just because I don't think that makes sense. I think that at worst case scenario, the Cowboys will tag him and he'll play on that tag because he will hit true free agency next year. If anyone is unaware. Dak Prescott's franchise tag value for next year is approximately $54 million. The Cowboys would not be able to match that or pay that. 
that would be his his kind of going rate and they would have to ultimately let him walk. And I think that the nearest possible season in which Dak Prescott is playing elsewhere is in fact next year. But this this would really kind of call everything the Cowboys are doing into serious doubt and serious jeopardy, which also works as leverage for Dak Prescott in that, you know, the Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy a year ago because they believed I hate the term win now, but they believed we're close. This is kind of the the last piece, the final infinity stone we need. They locked up Kellen Moore to a three-year deal this you know off season after the season ended. They brought in Dan Quinn on a three-year deal. So like the new sort of timeline for the Cowboys in this current version of them is three years. And so I don't think it would be beneficial to them in any way to kind of play this like lost year with that. Maybe they win the Super Bowl. Fine, that would be awesome, obviously, but. So let's let's fast forward. Dak plays whatever the season is is a general finish for the Cowboys. They don't win the Super Bowl, and so next year he walks. Now you have two years left of the offensive coordinator who you really value, and the first of those years is going to have to be spent as the first year with new quarterback X. That's just such a wonky and terrible way to go about it fundamentally. But I do think that that is very possible. Uh, I do want to invite Pat Lane onto the stage. Pat, I hope your day is going well. I hope your Wednesday evening went well. We're pleased that you've taken the time to join us today. Hey, thanks, RJ. Appreciate it, man. Uh, fellow uh, fellow SB Nation guy here, but uh, from the Patriots, I just uh, I just don't see I don't uh, and kind of to your point here, I don't see why if you're the Cowboys, you would let Dak Prescott walk. What do you have right. if you don't have Dak Prescott? And that's you know, and like you said, and listen, we all know Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones wants to be competitive. He wants to make a splash. He wants things to happen. He wants people to be talking about his team. The last thing he wants is to, you know, dump his franchise player when, you know, you, oh, okay, well, we couldn't get a deal done. Well, so what? Like, he he's going to figure out a way to get a deal done. Now, whether that's the, the, uh, the franchise tag, maybe. I think, you know, for me personally, I mean, I'd try to get a – I mean, obviously, clearly, I'm sure they'd like the same thing, but like, what's preventing them from from making a long term deal with them? I don't understand what the problem is. I mean, I don't know what you're going to get that's better than Dak Prescott. And like you said, oh, maybe we can trade him to Houston and flip him for Deshaun Watson. Like, wh- why is Houston? I mean, Houston's stupid. Don't get me wrong, but like, <laughs> why are they going to do that? You know, it's like that that doesn't benefit them at all. You know, so it just it just doesn't make any sense. And the best thing for them is to sign Dak long term. And yes. But this is the bet they've made. They hit. They don't have. What are they going to start? Andy Dalton instead? Like it just it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense for them. Like you know, you have Dak. You pay the guy because he's the guy. You know. And did they screw up paying Zeke? Probably. And could they have done some other things to kind of put other guys around him? Probably. But this is the position you're in. Unless you're gonna. Unless you're gonna do a complete teardown, trade Dak for assets, and go from there. But that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think, Pat. I think. Uh... I always love talking to Pat, but I think that um, it's interesting that you say that because I think it's like a, a flip side, an argument that RJ was making, you know, on the idea that like, what if they're past the point of no return here is actually that like, what if Jerry Jones pride, like you're saying, okay, Jerry Jones has this pride. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want the negative press of like letting Dak Prescott walk and then. Dak Prescott winds up in Miami or something. Dak Prescott will look great in a Miami uniform, but I'd hate to see it. <laughs> but, um, you know, he winds up in Miami and they win the Super Bowl or something. And 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 Jerry Jones has egg on his face. But, you, you know, the the flip side of that would be that the Cowboys pride here is saying that, like, 
no matter what, if we pay Dak Prescott and we give him top three QB money, then it looks like we blinked. It looks like we lost, you know, we, we made, we, Dak Prescott beat us, you know, and, and they don't want that. So I think those are both popular or possible though. And that's to me that you could take the, uh, the pride argument either way. The, the thing I want to ask though, I'm curious what each of y'all think is what if the alternative strategy is not a total rebuild? What if the, the alternative strategy is actually, okay, what Dak Prescott looked good and was on pace to break all time, like the all time pat single season passing yardage record with this offense we built for him with CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, you know, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, who are pretty good. Um, what if they say, you know what? The thing that's holding us back is our defense. We've seen teams win and get to the Super Bowl with QBs on rookie deals, Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. Um, what if they say, you know what? Actually, the move here is you trade him to Miami for Tua or you let him walk and then you draft Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or Trey Lance or some rookie QB you feel maybe you have to trade up, but a rookie QB you feel good about, you use the DAC money on the offensive line, you use the DAC money on the secondary or the linebacking core, and then you figure, well, what if we've built such a good supporting cast that we could actually just plug in a talented rookie, let Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy, LOL, devise a scheme that puts that rookie in a great position. And then all of a sudden, you calling me all of a sudden it's 2016 all over again. And you've got this great team around a rookie QB and you can win 12 games. I, I mean, I think that's, that's dangerous, but I wonder if that's the alternative here that they are at least using as a negotiation. So I'll go first and say that like, that's possible. Right. And, I don't want to just sound like I'm I'm completely bagging on the Cowboys, but again, I feel like this would require like a plan. You know what I mean? And um, like the the great iconic Phoebe Buffet once said she didn't even have a plot, and like that's the Cowboys. Like they don't even have a plot. You know what I mean? Like th- this this I could I could swallow this idea if the Cowboys had behaved in a way that lined up with this, but they are notorious. Like people love to say that Jerry, Jerry will pay for any free agent. Like when, like since, since the failure of Brandon Carr, which I don't know that I would categorize it as like a total failure, but since the, the, you know, what was deemed a failure of Brandon Carr, the Cowboys have been infamous for being very gun shot in free agency. They do not go after big heavy hitters. That's not what they want to do. They believe in building through the draft. They believe in, in paying their own as evidenced by the Jalen deal and the Zeke deal and the Lyle Collins deal and whatever the case may be. And so I, I also think like that to me, that wouldn't line up with, with the hiring of McCarthy. Like if, if you were, I, I would still disagree with this, but if a year ago when the Cowboys had a head coaching vacancy, if they said, you know what, we're, we believe that it might be best to kind of start from the ground over here. Then, then go get your Lincoln Riley. Go hire Matt Rule. You know, like that's follow the path that the Panthers went on last year because that's they they have conflicting ideologies here. You know what I mean? And and nothing nothing they do, no two things they do are geared towards the same purpose. I'm curious if if Pat agrees. 
I don't know. It's, it's, so, it's, sorry, it's, my, no, you're, sorry good. My, you're good. My, my phone was locked and I like couldn't, I couldn't get it open. Um, no, you know what? Uh, listen, the problem is, is 2021, right? That's, this is really the problem. And this is what the Patriots are dealing with is that, you know, we talked about, uh, for, for two years now, I've been writing articles about how Tom, uh, Bill Belichick, I'm sorry, has been trying to build a team like the 2001 Patriots. The 2001 Patriots were, in my opinion, quarterback proof. And what that means is that they had a great defense, they had a good running game, and you throw a quarterback in there, and that quarterback's going to go 9-7, and 10-6. And, and if he can throw a few good games together, all of a sudden you can get into the playoffs, and who knows what happened to the playoffs. Now, of course, they ended up with Tom Brady, and so they ended up winning the Super Bowl because that's what ended up happening because he was amazing. So, But they built a team that didn't rely on the quarterback. So what did they do last year? Or I'm sorry, in 2019, they did exactly the same thing. And Brady was still there, but they didn't worry about the offensive weapons. They worried about the running game. They drafted a running back in the first round in 2018. They said, hey, listen, we're going to focus on the defense and the running game, build our up, build up our offensive line as, as good as we can, and, you know, whatever. We don't, we're not worried about the, about the skill position players, the wide receivers and whatnot. Now, of course – Cowboys would be in a little different situation because they have Cooper and they have CeeDee Lamb. And so they have they have the weapons. They wouldn't have the, the, the quarterback in this situation. The issue is that in 2021, you have to have a quarterback to be successful. You can't win with defense and running because it's 2021. The, uh, the NFL isn't set up that way anymore. And, you know, unfortunately, you, you have to have one of those guys. You have to. Because, and you see what happens in the playoffs if you don't. Look at Washington was good. Then they get into the playoffs, they play a team with a real quarterback and they lose because they don't have a choice. They don't have a, a chance against a team with a great quarterback. And so you're always going to run up against that issue with the great quarterback. And no matter how good your defense is, because of the way the, the league is set up right now and the way the rules are set up to benefit offenses right now, you have to have an elite offense with an elite quarterback that can throw the ball. And if you don't have that, you're simply not going to win and you're fighting upstream. And so Maybe that's the Cowboys land. Maybe they can say, hey, you know, uh, forget it. We'll trade Dak and, and, you know, move up and do this and do that and use these assets to bring these guys in and stuff. But, like, it's just not going to work unless somehow you hit lightning in a bottle and you draft Kellen Mond in the third round and he turns out to be amazing. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, I guess. But I just, you know, unless the, the, the late round guy that you take a chance on hits, you're just that it's not, just not realistic that you're going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you, you is your is your best case scenario that like we're the we're the Rams with with Jared Goff, right? And that we we can we can even make it to the Super Bowl if everything lines up. Sean McVay is his offense is hitting. Jared Goff is making easy throws. The defense is making just enough plays, and then you make it to the Super Bowl and you run up against. Uh, a Patriots team that has a great defensive game plan takes away those easy plays in the play action game. And Tom Brady, who's better than Jerry Goff, makes just enough throws to win the game, which is exactly what you're talking about. Right. So, um, you know, I think, I think that the, the, the odds of, of pulling it off are slim. I just wonder, like, I have to assume that the Cowboys position versus Dak Prescott is like, for every number or statistic, you know, or piece of data that uh, 
that Dak's team brings to the table, then the Cowboys will counter with, well, yeah, but in in 2016, you had the O-line. Well, yeah, but in, in 2019 and 20, you had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and you had Ezekiel Elliott, you know. And so it's this like self – it's this weird cyclical argument where like Dak Prescott, because I guess somehow Dak Prescott never made the playoffs with a trash team, although, I mean, he kind of did a couple of years ago, then, uh, then you know, he doesn't – he because the Cowboys put all of this talent around him, he's not allowed to like make an argument for his personal success, um, which is seems frankly, from my opinion, like not really fair to Dak at all. But I mean, if that's the only thing I can think of, if I'm the Cowboys, that there that is that is is the counter argument they can give to Dak for all of the stats he can. I think to that point, I think, you know, you've both mentioned the the pace that Dak was on last season early on before he got hurt. And I, I could legitimately see, you know, right, like Team Dak, like we're all, you know, hey, Dak would have done this, whatever. And the Cowboys being like, yeah, well, that's because our defense was terrible. Like, you know, that that's not the same thing. You know, it's not normal circumstances. And it's like, yeah, that that's your fault. Like, like you're, you're the group that put the defense together. Um, and that, I mean, it is – it, it is so difficult to, you know, it's it's a strange year in that I do think the national narrative has shifted. I think a year ago there were more people questioning whether Dak was, was you know, a franchise quarterback, however you want to deem it again. Um, and I do think that now there is this almost nationally, you know, sort of adopted consensus that is, yeah, Dak is Dak is great. Dak is awesome. Dak is perfect. The Cowboys have done him dirty. Look what he did. He played on the tag. He got hurt. They fell apart. He's the best, whatever. And so I, I that's that's to go back to my worry and my point of concern. I worry that the Cowboys are are upset that you know they've kind of lost some of that favor. Uh, let's see. CT is uh, asking to be pulled up to the stage. I did watch the challenge on MTV last night. It was a fantastic episode. Not a great one for CT but I am sure that this CT will offer us a better perspective. CT, how goes it? Hey, what's going on, guys? I come in peace. I'm a Niner fan, born and raised in the city, but um, I do respect Dak Prescott. Um, you guys, you know, you got Jerry's world, man. There's, there's a lot of respect there. Obviously, we had a lot of battles in the, the 90s, but, um, you know, I, I think that they need to pay him. I, I understand logistically he's asking for maybe a little bit more than what some would say he's worth. Um, you know, that's just the quarterback market itself. And you got to respect this man for throwing 5,000 yards, you know, betting on himself, you know, getting hurt and is ahead of a schedule from everything I've heard. Um, just, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, I, I'd invest in him before I would keep investing in Zeke, to be real with you. Um, you know, and then defensively, there's some things to figure out, but the team isn't all that bad, you know, in that sense. I think you guys are closer with Dak them without him you know in regards to rebuilding and kind of bringing yourself to being a perennial pro bowl i mean not pro bowl playoff team sure and i think you know i think the, the patriots are in a in a similarly interesting circumstance and i think people would say they've been there for a long time i, I don't put as much stock into this so um pat just you know bear with me here but the nfc east is terrible right i mean like this this would be a totally different conversation if the Cowboys were the 49ers, honestly, I mean, and the 49ers need a different quarterback and improvement there. But I mean, I, I think if you're a 49ers fan and I do uh, co-host a show on the SB Nation NFL show with a very prominent Niners fan, Rob Stats Guerrera. Uh, so shout out to him. 
But, um, you know, if you're an Niners fan, you're thinking, okay, if, if we get whoever, right? Like if we trade for Kirk Cousins, right? Like even in that hypothetical, like we, there's a tough road to hoe here, like no matter what. Whereas if you're the Cowboys, like with Dak, I mean, you're cruising to a division title. Like all the logic in the world points to getting this done. And it's, if there was ever a problem in life that you could fix by throwing money at it, this is it. And, and like, this is literally like all this literally requires is money to fix it. And so Pat, I'm curious if like, I'm sure that like, that was a, a really popular mentality in New England for a long time, right? Like, you know, again, this is a, a bit of a different circumstance, but you know, the, the path, the, the path to a division title was so easy that like, it was worth doing all these things for so long, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different, uh, you know, unfortunately for the Patriots, they get a bad rap. I mean, you look at, if you look at the AFC East and take away the Patriots numbers against <laughs> other, against other uh, divisions, they actually did really well against, against other divisions. Right. Now, obviously those teams ended up pretty bad every year because they basically had an automatic two losses against the Patriots every year. My Patriots are just so much better than those teams. And although those teams See the issue. All right, so this is really the thing, right? And and I think that this is this is the thing that uh, makes a lot of sense to me. You can say that the AFC East was bad because there was never a great team in the AFC East. Now, do I think that they were like two to three decent teams every year? I do. Like you're talking about, you know, a seven and nine team or an eight and eight or a nine and seven team. Like there was always a team that was on the cusp of like being decent and would give you a good game. But there was never like a dominant playoff team in the division with them. So even though it was like, oh, they never had any competition. Yeah, they did have some competition, but there was never like it wasn't like the AFC North where it was like the Ravens and the Steelers were like, right. you know, fa- AFC favorites every year. It wasn't that. You know what I mean? It was it was, hey, these teams are pretty good, right? The Dolphins are pretty scrappy every year. Like the Bills, you know, kind of fought through some tough times every year. Like the Jets had those two years. They went to the AFC Championship game two games, two years in a row. So like. There were times, but they were never like great teams. And the a- the NFC East is very similar this year. I wouldn't say the NFC East is terrible. I think I think that uh, that Washington is a pretty good team. The issue is they don't have a quarterback, right? And so that's that's the problem. Like they're a decent team, and the fact that you, I could easily see them, I'd be surprised if they went below eight and eight. But without a real quarterback, I don't see how they're going to be like a legitimate contender. In, in the league. So like if, if the Cowboys can put things together and keep Dak and have these guys, they should still win the division because they're a better team than Washington is. But Washington's going to give people some games like they're going to they're going to make life difficult for pretty much everyone they play. And Philly, you know, if they can, who knows what's going to happen with Jalen Hurts this year. So it's like so it's interesting to look at and say, yeah, OK, it's bad, but it's not like it's not like the other three teams are going to go five and eleven. It's just the fact that like none of those teams are going to blow you out of the water when you play. And I think that that's, that's kind of the biggest thing, you know? Yeah. I think that that's, a, you know, call the NFC East awful if you want. I think it's an interesting exercise though. Like if you power ranked the, um, the paths to division titles throughout the league, like I think the NFC East is the easiest. That's like my point. Right. And, and even like beyond that, like the path to the Super Bowl is much more wide open in the NFC just because, I think in the AFC, you've got to obviously deal with the Chiefs. You've got to deal with the Titans. You've got to deal um, maybe with the Colts. Who knows? But you've got to deal with the Ravens and the Bills. And the Browns are certainly on the come up as well. The Steelers have been on this for, you know, a big deal today. 
we'll see how a lot of fun to watch this year but like i mean in the nfc i think in terms of like legitimate contenders and the russell wilson domino if it falls dramatically changes its conversation but you've got tampa bay you've got green bay and then that's kind of it like you know in that maybe now you've got los angeles and maybe you want to you know give them some a little bit more credit here but like if if you had to ever you know if there was ever a sure thing and it's not that by any means but this is this is kind of this is as close as you can get does that make sense I think it does. Yeah, I think it definitely does. I mean, you're right. There's no, there's no don. Even in Seattle, we even with Russ, there's still not another dominant team in the NFC. So if you can build a good enough roster, and and the Cowboys have talent all over the field. You know, they have talent all over the field on defense, on offense. Like at skill position players, like they have a good enough team to be able to compete. Now, whether they're going to be able to do that or not, who knows, right? Obviously, Dak goes down last year, was on pace for for a solid season. So the question is. You know, like, what does that look like, right? So, like, what does that look like if he stays healthy? Uh, we don't know, obviously. But, you know, that's something where you look at it and say, hey, I mean, realistically, if we don't run into the, the you know, if somehow Green Bay and Tampa plays each other in the playoffs, we could have an, a, a fairly easy right. path to the NFC Championship game, and then it's one game. So, like, maybe we don't, we, you know, we wouldn't be favored, but we have a chance at least. Well, here's here's, I think, the the kind of overarching question, the one the Cowboys are clearly struggling with, the one that everybody likes to talk about. Um, well, so like, let's take a step back and let's look at, um, I think that the Cowboys Packers 2017 uh, NFC divisional game is kind of lost to time. And I think people have sort of, have sort of, for, I mean, that was a, an incredible game. And I think people right. have kind of forgotten about what, like, what actually went down in that game and that like the, the pack, what was it? 28 to six, I think something like that. 20, 20, 24 to six. It was something like that, um, that the Packers were up and rookie Dak Prescott, who at the time, everybody criticized for only being able to throw slants and screens and designed rollouts brings the Cowboys all the way back and they lose on one of the all-time clutch playoff throws and catches from Rodgers to Jared right. Cook, an absolutely incredible play, followed by an incredible a, a pair of incredible kicks from Mason Crosby, right? Okay, so then a couple years later, after sort of a lost season, they get back to the playoffs. He pulls out a win against the Seahawks, and then they lose to the Rams team that ended up going to the Super Bowl, um, frankly, because the Cowboys' defense was atrocious and could not – stop the run and had no answers for the for the Rams offense so you look at some of these games and it's like even at the highest level in the playoffs as a rookie he goes toe-to-toe with prime Aaron Rodgers and with the Cowboys down and needing to tie the game leads back-to-back fourth quarter drives to do it right and and then he loses to the Rams a couple years later because the defense is so bad and so the question becomes, okay, you could take a look at those games and you could say, well, Pat Mahomes would have found a way to win that game. Tom Brady or Peyton Manning would have found a way to win that game. And that may be true. So the question is, if you don't have a Pat Mahomes or a Tom Brady in hand, should every team's philosophy just be like, 
un- unless you are Pat Mahomes, I'm not going to pay you? Or is there a another threshold at which you can still justify paying this quarterback? And if so, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what all y'all think. Is there an argument that Dak Prescott does not meet that threshold? Yeah, so it's it's tough, right? Because, I mean, you, everybody wants, you know, the best. Everybody wants, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. And so it's easy to say, well, if, we, if you don't have that, keep looking, keep, keep searching under every stone. Um, I, I agree with you that if not for some incredibly freaky moments, you know, maybe Dak Prescott is, is the first rookie quarterback playing in the Super Bowl, right? Like, although I, a lot of people say that they think the 2014 Cowboys would have beaten the Seahawks in the title game. I think that's possible. But I, I think the 2016 Cowboys would have gotten smoked by the Falcons in the NFC Championship game, personally. Uh, it was 21-3, to 3, you mentioned it, um, the, that division around game against the Packers. And so that was the, the drought they faced, 21-3. Dak Prescott scored uh, his stat line in the fourth quarter. He was 10-14 of 14 for 116 yards uh, through two touchdowns. And on one of them, uh, this feels lost memory as well, he had a two-point conversion attempt that he ran in successfully. So uh, very clutch overall performance. And yeah, I mean, like that's that's the reason, right? Like that's the reason to go all in on. If like if, if there was ever a reason to go all in on somebody, this is it. And I think like when when you consider the narrative or the extracurriculars, like they only add to that reason, especially in that you know the Cowboys stumbled into Dak Prescott, right? They stumbled into him after wanting both Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook when when they got super lucky that they had him. Because they they banked, you know, foolish as it was, they banked on Tony Romo coming off of a season where he played four games. And so, I mean, they have gotten lucky time after time after time after time. And so that's why I think all of these relative certainties are worth, you know, kind of, you know, again, going all in on. There was a question here from Marcus Erickson um, said, how far off is Washington? I feel like they're a good quarterback away from being a nine to 10 win team. I agree with that. I, I, but I mean, like, how hard is that to find that good quarterback? It's impossible, right? Like, look at the landscape of the NFL. And like, if you're the Cowboys, you have that. Like, it, and I just, it's, it's an incredibly frustrating thing to watch and an incredibly frustrating thing to be uh, a fan of the Cowboys during because they, they are squandering a, a really precious opportunity. We had, I don't know if any of you heard this, but we had Emmett Smith on our uh, Super Bowl coverage on the SB Nation NFL show. And one of the things he said, when we were talking about this, he said, you know, sooner or later, like this whole thing is going to bleed into the locker room, right? Like, because like, we're here, you know, CT, Pat, Ethan, and RJ, like the four best friends there ever could be. And we're pissed off, you know what I mean? Like, and so I don't, I can't imagine like, I mean, every Cowboys player that does any interview is asked about this. Like, it's such an awkward elephant in the room. And I I don't think it's, it's great for the culture of the team. We have a podcast coming out tomorrow at, at the blog and the voice podcast feed about this whole idea and the kind of psychology that's hanging in the air. Um, but, and I think Pat, you can speak to that with, with the Patriots and what the Patriots went through this past season, like that, that kind of juice in the locker room can be good or it can be really bad. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's funny. I was talking to, uh, to Phil Perry yesterday on, on my show and he was saying, I can't remember who the heck he was talking to uh, a college guy. And he was saying, you know, I'm surprised that, Pro teams don't handle the quarterback position like college teams. It's the most important position in the field. And this is, I thought was, was such a unique take that it really kind of stuck with me because, you know, okay, Clemson gets Trevor Lawrence. Great. What did they do? Did they wait? Did they not, did they not go out and try to get another blue chip quarterback? No, they, the next season tried to recruit another blue chip quarterback. So, you know, because, 
you're always worried about what's the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. And especially in, in the NFL where you have a salary cap, if you can have a guy on a rookie deal like Russell Wilson when the Seahawks almost won back-to-back Super Bowls, right, like the Cowboys with Dak Prescott for when he was on that rookie deal. So, you know, this is the type of thing that you're dealing with. If you can have a guy on a rookie deal, you you, you have an opportunity to build so much else around him. And so it becomes a difficult situation. Now, of course, for the Cowboys, they haven't like it's a little late to be doing that. But theoretically, if you wanted to move on from him and say, yeah, we don't have he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Tom Brady. He's not the best quarterback in the league. He might be top 10, might even be top five, but he's not the best quarterback in the league. And so let's try to move on from him. I think it's a flawed idea unless you have that guy in the locker room already. And really what it comes down to, and I think the reason why to kind of answer that guy's hypothetical question, I think the reason why is because of what you mentioned, RJ, which is, you know, having that juice in the locker room. And if you look at what happened in New England this year, I am convinced, I am convinced that if it were any other year, or if really if it were any other situation, that, that Cam would have been benched for the year. See you later. Done. He was awful. He looked terrible. But the guys in that locker room loved him. They loved him. So you keep him in there because you want to keep the rest of the locker room happy. They, that, that guy is their guy at quarterback. And you're not a good enough team to make it to the Super Bowl or win, you know, at a consistent enough rate to matter. So why are we putting in Stidham over Cam when it's going to keep the rest of the locker room happy? And yes, that doesn't matter this year. But moving forward, you're showing your team that I'm sticking to my guys. I'm committed to my guys. I'm doing what I have to do, you know, to to for the benefit of the team. And I think that that is an important thing. And this is this is just a mess for the Cowboys because you're right. Every single person in the locker room is sitting there looking at it saying, Dak's a great player. And they're and they're doing this to him. Now what's gonna happen when I come up? Yeah, you know, Amari Cooper's Amari Cooper's thinking, Well, what's happening when I come up? Now CeeDee Lamb, first year in the league, sure, but what's gonna happen when I come up? Leighton Van Der Esch, yeah. same thing. You know what I mean? So all these guys are wondering like, what's gonna happen when I come up? This is the way they're treating Dak. And so and that's, that, I that's think, an uh, I think uh, the Cowboys have historically paid their guys, which I think has that locker room benefit that you're talking about. Brandon rejoined the Eagles. Also, I think were known for have been known for this in recent years. That like if if they if they draft you, if you're homegrown and you produce, they're going to pay you. And so everybody has that confidence that they're like, hey, you know what? Lane Johnson got paid. Like all these guys, everybody gets paid. So you know if you if you put up numbers, and I think that has a knock on effect. Now I think. From the quarterback locker room leadership standpoint, you see some teams do some really dumb shit like uh, like uh, Nick Foles, the Jaguars, giving Nick Foles that contract because they're like, they're like, oh, the quarterback has to be – the starting quarterback has to be the highest paid guy on the team for locker room reasons, which was hilarious. Um, uh, shout out Tom Coughlin. But the uh, – you know, you saw the Patriots turn Jimmy G into a second-round pick from the Niners, right? Like I think, I think that the – the the Eagles they at least have Jalen Hurts now because they because they weren't sure about Carson Wentz and they took Jalen Hurts and I think that there's an argument that says you should it didn't really work out very many times at all for the Pats but they at least they took quarterbacks in the second and third and fourth round all the time and I think that there's a, a clear argument for we just saw Matt Stafford get traded for for a player and a pick right like you can if if you sign Dak Prescott to a deal now. 
you draft Kellen Mond, and then in a year you draft another guy. You take a swing on a quarterback every season, and you find some guy, and you're like, you know what? We think we've got it. We think Kellen Mond actually is that dude. Then you can trade Dak. It doesn't matter if he's making $50 million a year. Some team, the Chicago Bears in two years, will give you two firsts and two seconds for Dak Prescott. Like that's, you know, and if, and if it's not Dak, if Kellen Mond looks good, but you won a Super Bowl with Dak, you can trade Kellen Mond for a first round pick. And, you know, I think that there's, there's nothing wrong with taking those swings. I think I I'm with you. I think. Well, I think this off season, I mean, like people, people are bagging on the Rams and the Eagles for the deals they gave Goff and Wentz. Like those were smart. Like if, if those quarterbacks had hit, they would, they would look like bargain deals right now. And and they both were able to get out of them. Like, yes, there's like dead money involved and draft pick consideration and things like that, but nothing is impossible, which is something that I think everybody or some people kind of get stuck on and have tunnel vision towards. I did want to answer a question. Ethan, you actually uh, were the person that brought this up a little while ago, but Trevor wanted to make sure we hit it. Um, what percentage do we think of Dak being on the team next year? Talking about, I'm, I'm assuming we're talking to, I'm a hundred percent confident he'll be on the Cowboys in 2021. Um, but I'm, I'm about 50, 50 in, in for 2022. And the, the tag deadline, the initial tag deadline to place the tag is next week already. And we will of course uh, have everybody covered at blog for all of Dak watch. Um, but if, if they have to place that tag on him, I don't think that's the true point of no return. But I mean, like you're you're deep into it at that point. And I think at that point, you really have to overwhelm Dak and, and his camp because they are they get more leverage by the day. And it's frustrating that the Cowboys um, ultimately can't understand this philosophy when they've had over two years to try to marinate over. it. But yeah, so, uh, well, I, it's we're at an hour now. Actually, that was a really fun hour. We appreciate everybody uh for taking the time to join us appreciate pat appreciate ethan appreciate ct um appreciate brandon uh for taking the time to join us we're going to be doing these uh you know at the very least weekly sometimes a couple of times a week like i said next week we've got dac watch so uh be on the lookout for that we will post this audio for anyone that's curious on the blog and the boys podcast feed that will drop later on today on thursday we offer a, a different show every day if anybody's looking for a dallas cowboys podcast uh, we have different voices, different people, different staffers that come in and apply their own twist to the Cowboys. So you get something new every day on the Dallas Cowboys uh, or the blog of the boys, excuse me, podcast feed over at SB Nation. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show while you're at it. Uh, when you subscribe to both, leave a rating, write a review. Those things really make us happy and uh, really make, um, you know, make the whole thing a lot of fun. Uh, but everybody have just the best day of all time. We love you and we'll see you next time.